everyone's so afraid, but if I shoot and I miss, oh no, and I get that. What if you shoot and you make it? From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. All right, welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike, along here with Luke Acree. Today, we are going to be breaking down the four stages of the sales cycle with a top-producing financial pro. Super excited to get this guy on the podcast. But before we introduce our guest, we would love it if you take a minute, subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts. If you're not already subscribed, and leave a review along with a comment to let us know how we're doing. Today's featured review comes from Dig It Deep Records on Apple Podcasts. They say, positive changes to my early career, five stars. After just a few episode listens to this podcast, it has brought me more valuable information and has already improved my career. I'm a client of Reminder Media, so thank you very much, and excited to get my first holiday issue out there to my active and prospective clients. Keep doing what you guys are doing. So thank you so much to Dig It Deep. I think it's records. (laughs) It's R-C-R-D-S. I think it's short for records. Thank you for that review on Stay Paid, on Apple Podcasts. So today's guest, his name is Selfie Taylor. He is a multi or million dollar, excuse me, round table, top of the table producer. Before starting his own brokerage, Selfie finished his career as the top producing agent advisor in the history of the African-American market within New York life. In 2015, he won NAFA's top four under 40 award and launched the Taylor Method, his personal training series for financial advisors and agents. Selfie, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, and and this guy is a motivational speaker. The only reason I know that is because I had the privilege, I did a summit. I co-hosted a summit with my buddy Brad Swinehart at White Glove. And a selfie, this was the first time, man, I got to get to know you a little bit. <laughs> you were doing one of the sessions and you were uh, you know, doing your kind of topic. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's like a motivational speaker. I felt so jacked <laughs> up after the session. So I'm super excited today for this podcast. I figured take a, you know, just a minute or two you know, for the audience that maybe has never heard about you before, if you could just share your journey, a little bit about your life and your story, how you got into financial advising and what led you to now even this coaching aspect that you're doing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I feel blessed to be doing something that I feel I was made to do. I don't know how many people can say you're, you're in a career, you're, you're, you're living your, your best life, and I feel blessed to be in that position. I can't say that, um, you know, as a child, like I, I was, uh, I was, uh, on the playground thinking to myself, when I'm going to be a financial advisor and I'm going to, you know, start a coaching series and that I, I always knew that I wanted to do something on a grand scale, always knew that I had a, a spirit of, of, of servitude and, and love helping people. Um, I knew that, I, you know, that I'm, I'm driven by, by competition and, and, and influence. And so I wanted to be, successful and so my path led me into this into this industry and immediately I, I took to it because I realized we're paid for our work ethic and our aptitude not our age or tenure and one of the things that that you know even I didn't know much about business or, or various career paths but one of the things that always was disheartening to me when I looked at a lot of industries is that there was no 
easy way to the top, right? Like I'm an impatient person. I'm like, come on, why can't I be CEO already? I know I'm only 23, but what's the problem? And, and, and it seemed to me that most progressions in a lot of careers have less to do with your aptitude and more to do with your seniority. And so I like that I could come into a business and, and write my own script, if you will, um, you know, lay my own path to, to success. And so, you know, I, I was making more money than my parents by the time I was 25 years old. Right. And, and, and then just continue to progress, you know, through there. And, and so I tell people all the time, you got, you got one or two paths, my friend, you can, you know, you can go the corporate route and, and work your way up and in 10, 15, 20 years, you'll get to the top. You right. Or you can, uh, you start your own thing and, and, and make it to the top sooner or fall on your face. Right. <laughs> like more often you know, than not falling well, on your face, you know, multiple one, times. <laughs> one, one, one of, one of the two, but for me, I, I never was af- afraid of a failure, right? Uh, in the sense that it, it never inhibited me. It's always what propelled me to do more. It's always what propelled me to, to do extra, right? And so for me, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to end up. I don't know that I'm going to be the most successful guy in the world. But I'll tell you this, I'm not going to fail for a lack of effort. I'm not going to reach the top because I didn't give everything that I had. And so what a blessing to, it's interesting, not only am I in this business and able to create, you know, uh, a wealth and status for myself, I'm, I do that by helping other people. So like, I'm literally intimately involved in thousands of people's lives, right? Like if, if I don't know if the average person, if they look through their contacts, how many contacts they have. And a friend of mine the other day was like, how many contacts you have on your phone? And I just, I just swiped all the way down. I was like, I have almost 11,000 contacts. Right. And it's like, wow, look at all the, the people that, I, and this isn't like, you know, I'm at Starbucks pulling business cards off of the, 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 the tag board and putting their contact. These are people that at some point I've met or engaged or communicated with. And so I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's crazy. You know? And so I, I, today, what drives me is just the ability to help people, the, the ability to meet new people, the ability to, to serve people. And, and then again, the byproduct of that is now I, I can make a living. And so really feel like it's a win-win situation. I love that, brother. Now, it's, it's amazing Like when you find yourself in a place where you've transitioned from the mindset of you're actually grinding it just for yourself but you're actually transitioned to the mindset of, no, 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 I'm grinding it because I get to help other people. The difference that makes in your closing ability, the difference that makes in your marketing ability and everything to scale your business is huge. But it's one of the hardest things for any business owner, entrepreneur, salesperson to do, at least what I have found, because you wake up every day and it's like, you know, the hunt mentality. It's like, hey, if I don't get a transaction today, if I don't get a client, I ain't going to eat and my family's not going to eat. So it's so hard not to focus on yourself. But if you study the greats, they've transitioned to where they actually have this aptitude or this mindset and this attitude of, no, 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 I'm out here serving the world. And because of that, it all yeah. of a sudden it translates yeah. into them actually getting more than they it, would have. It, it, it's funny because anyone in this business, anyone in any sales position to some degree is a bit of a masochist, right? It's kind of like... <laughs> Even if you talk about the term, the greats, right? Like if I look at my life and, and this from a lay person's perspective, they generally don't see, right? I reach out to probably 75 to hundred people a day, a day, right? I hear no, or not yet, or call me later 60, 70 times 
a day, right? A day for the two or three yeses that I get. Cause there's the, Oh, it's this, this, right. And I haven't done that or endured that for a day or a week or a month. I've been doing this for 21 years. So I've heard no every way you can hear no. I've heard get out of my face. Every way you can hear it. I've heard not now every way you can hear it. And in spite of that, right, have continued to persevere because one of the things I say with my old Taylor method, it's not a matter of if, it's simply a matter of when, right? And in the end, in the end, I'm going to get them all. At the end, I'm going to connect with them all. It's just a matter of timing. And when you can, when you can, when you can delineate and separate this from, this isn't a testament. When people say, no, it's not about me. It's not something that I'm taking personally. It's maybe timing or circumstance, maybe in their lives and knowing that it's just not, no, it's not right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you can, when you can say not take it personally and realize at the end of the day, it's, it's a numbers game. It's a, it's a, I call so many people to get so many appointments to get so many yeses then, then it's okay. And then that's what happens. And it's just like, it's like in the game of basketball, right? Like I shoot and I shoot and I shoot. And some days I'm better than others. Some days I'm like, I feel like I can't miss the, the baskets as wide as the ocean. And some days I feel like the baskets, like, you know, two inches long. I'm like, what's going on? You know? And, and, and same thing is in business. We have our good days, we have our bad days, but you just, you just keep, keep going. And then you, you, you wake up one day, 20 years later and go, Oh my gosh, like I've come a long way. And so one of the things I've said, and that I encourage other people is detach yourself from the outcome, detach yourself from the outcome, be 100% engaged into the process. And if you're 100% engaged in the process, if you're doing the right things every single day, you'll be fine. I had a, I had a new advisor who joined my firm. This is about seven years ago. And this guy was doing all the right things. He's making his calls. He's, he's doing his appointments. He's fact gathering. He's having a servant's heart. And literally in his first, like maybe three, four months, I don't even know if he made a dollar. Like he might've made like three grand over three months, right? Like not, and this is a guy who's coming from an industry where he was making, you know, heavy six figures, right? He's coming here and we're at our holiday party. And he's like, man, he comes to me and goes, I'm, I'm sorry, right? That I haven't been as successful as, as I would have hoped, as you would have hoped for me at this point. And I looked at him and I said, I said, you keep doing what you're doing and we'll be fine. He was looking at the outcome and I was looking at the process. Sure enough, by the end of the first year, he made over 150 grand. The next year, 250 and so forth. He's by the top producer, mm. right? Because I was looking at what he was doing, not the results. So many times we want this instantaneous results. Like, hey, Sophie, I went to the gym yesterday and I didn't lose any weight. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> well, like... Well, no, it's not. <laughs> right? like, like it's not what you do today. It's doing that day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. And at the end of the day, the successful ones are really the ones scored. I, it's, I saw it's, it's persistence is basically stubbornness with the purpose. It's the ones who don't lose sight of that purpose. It's the ones who won't stop moving. It's the ones that won't stop crawling forward if they have to, on their pinkies if they have to, that end up being successful. The ones who can endure the most pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, when you, when you wake up and you go, wow, I mean, I realized when I started my career at New York life, um, you know, there's a whole class of people that start, right. The whole, everyone's going through the licensing process and training. And I think six months in, I was the only one left. 
right? So I'm like, I guess I'm agent of the year because I'm the only one who's still here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so it's just like being able to just survive. That's the key. I mean, 90% oh, so of it is just showing up. Just yeah, no, it's just, so true. It's the it's it's, up. it really is the the accumulation of of your daily habits. So you you've kind of I think the the problem that most people then kind of face is well, what process? What process am I supposed to trust? Which one do I kind of go all in on? Uh, and this is where I think you've really focused on creating this Taylor method that you've yep. trained and have and have uh, proven over and over again that hey, this method works. So. I guess start breaking that down for us. What's involved in the Taylor method? What's kind of the first step or the stage of that process? Yeah. So the Taylor method I created for my peer group, right? In this, in this, in this advisory field, but really the principles translate to any sales capacity, right? What happened for me is I would do these talks, right? I would I'd travel all over the country and I'm doing these talks and people are like, oh my God, I'm getting stand innovations. Like this is great, right? And if a week later, I went back to that same group of people and I was like, give me my top three points that I made. They go, man, I don't, you were good, man. You were charismatic. I remember like, and I'm like, wow. And then what really struck an accord with me is I had, I had a group of advisors. I was at a, what's called the district agent when I was in New York life. So I had a dozen advisors under my team and I got, you know, I've got my practice. I'm a million dollar producer. I've got this team and I'm doing my trainings and I could just see my team on the edge of their seats every every session, right? And I'm like, boom. But then I'm looking at their production and I'm like, man, why aren't like why aren't my guys like doing they're in my meetings, they're listening. I can tell they're engaged. And so then I one meeting I had, I walked in, I said, today guys, I'm not saying anything. Boom. Give me my three question close. And they're like, um if you uh and well and I'm like oh my God. I'm uh -oh. talking at them and they believe in me. I know that. They know I can do it, but I have not equipped them to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. So I found that I was getting the same questions over and over again, and, and all people had the same struggles. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? It started as an ebook. I'm like, I'm just going to write this down. I'm just going to write down the questions that I get most commonly, and I'm just going to share that with people, right? And that translated into videos. So I'm like, I'll create a website, right? And then I'll start doing these videos and audio series and, and mock interviews. And, and, and this is transformed now into this whole ebook you know, video series, audio series, you know, expert panel. And the Taylor method is basically the culmination of my career's triumphs and failures. I've had over 20,000 client meetings in my career. Mm. Wow. 20,000. So I've basically taken all the things and skills that I had that were innate and more importantly, all the things that I did wrong. And I created this, what I call objection-free sales process. So many people lead with value, right? Always say, if the only tool in your tool belt is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. We're into sell product. And that's truthfully, at least in my industry, why people are like, oh, you guys want commissions. You're trying to sell me. When people ask me, oh, what are you trying to sell me today? What you got to, for me today? I say, I have nothing for you today. I don't sell products. I solve problems. What's ailing you, right? And so then I go in, if I have an hour long meeting with the client, it's maybe 50 minutes of asking questions and 10 minutes of solution at the end. Because when I understand where they're at, where they want to be, what they're doing well, what they're not doing, that dictates the plan. So by the objection-free sales process, I mean, and this again applies to any industry, the problem with selling products is there's always going to be a frailty in your sales approach because there's no perfect product. Hmm. 
there's always a con of every product. There's always something that's going to be left, you know, to, 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 that's, that's a deficiency with the product. So rather than me selling a product and saying, Hey, buy this. If a client gives an objection, well, I don't like this. or I don't like this feature nine times out of 10, they're probably right. And then we're like, Oh, or we present a product and the client looks at it. Tell you what, I'll review this and I'll get back to you. Okay. Call me. I don't do that. I, I always say, I don't need to be perfect. I just have to be better than what you have. So when I understand what you have and I understand what ails you, and then I have a cure for that ailment, then you have to buy. Right. Mm. So, 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 you know, I had a client one time, I had a client one time, she had her money in, in the bank. Right. And she's like, I, I want to, I want to do some investments. I want to get better yields on money. So I, so rather than leaving with product, I said, okay, well, where's your money? She said, at a bank. I said, what, what's it doing? She said, it's in a CD at the bank. You guys know what CDs are, right? Certificates of depreciation. So she had one of those at the bank, right? She's getting, she's getting 1% on her money, right? So I simply offered her a product, a fixed, basic fixed annuity product at 3%, right? She comes back to me later, a week later and do all the paperwork. She goes, you know what? I, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I said, why? She said, my banker told me this annuity is not for me. I said, okay. I said, I said, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have 1% of your money or 3%? That's the right answer. She said, why about that 3%? I said, would you rather have growth that's taxable? So as you're earning money, you have to pay taxes. Or would you rather have growth that's tax deferred? She said, I'd rather growth that's tax deferred. I said, do you want a guarantee of your principal? She said, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So she, she liked the elements of what I had. Someone just said, oh, that name or that product isn't right for you. Forget the name of the product. I could care less what the name of the product is. Does it solve your problem? Right. And if you have something that solves someone's problem, right. And if the problem is dire enough, they're in no position to tell you no. Right. I I call this what I, uh, I reference. I call the drowning man's issue. Right. If you were in a boat, right. In the middle of the ocean and your boat tipped over and you are flailing around for your life. Right. And I come by in a lifeboat with a life preserver. Do you care if that life preserver is yellow, green, orange, purple, polka dots, stripes? No, please throw it to me because I'm saving you. You're in no position at that point to tell me no. And if you do tell me yeah. no, then you will drown. Up to you. Take what I have or, or up to you. So for me in anything, and this would be advice I'd give any, to anyone offering consultation services or selling any product, focus less on your product and focus more on the deficiency right? That the client has and how your product can solve that problem. And is it going to be a 10 out of 10 fit every time? Probably not. But if it's better than what they have, you're good. So rather than me trying to sell the hammer, I'm going to sell the fact that you got a hole in your wall. It's incredible. We, we just did an interview with um, Brendan Kane. He talks about if you can articulate the pain point of your pr- client or prospect better than they can, they will immediately trust you because now they believe that you have the solution. So I guess the question would be, the challenge is, how do you get to the pain point? Like, what's the process? What's the, what's the questioning approach that you're using that allows you to identify that so that you can turn around and articulate it so well? So let's go through the, 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 the four pillars rather than the tailored method. Number one, we have the approach. I don't care how good your product is. I don't care how good your service is. I don't care how smart you are. If people do not know, like, and trust you, they're not doing business. So for me, it's how do you get this? Well, so for me, I got, I need, I look, I need a minimum of three appointments every day on my calendar. 
right? Because this is my approach. This is how I tell. I could be the smartest guy in the world, but if I share my story to two people a month, I'm going to fail, right? Right. I've never met anyone in any sales capacity that has a full calendar that has not succeeded in their business, right? I, I love the adage of broken clock is run twice. Right? Yeah. If I have if I have if I have a hundred appointments a month, right? If I have a hundred appointments a month and I have the worst closing ratio at all, I get a three percent closing ratio, I can survive, right? But if I'm like no selfie, everyone I see, they get me, they love me, they engage. How many appointments you have this week? See, I don't have any yet, but see, when I get, see, well, you're going to fail. See, it doesn't matter that, <laughs> that you're good. It doesn't matter that, that you've got a great service. People don't know you exist. Yeah. Three out of a hundred is better than two out of two. <laughs> right. Think, think, think yeah. of, think of, uh, think of even like a fast food restaurant, right? Like McDonald's, right. You know, do you go to McDonald's? Does anyone go to McDonald's because they believe they have the best burgers and fries? Probably not. No. Right. You go there for the convenience, you know, you know what you're going to get. Right. And they yeah. tell a great story. Yep. Right. So it's really the engagement and the story that moves people. You could actually have an average product. And if people know, like, and trust you, they'll do business with you. So the, the crux, the catalyst of my business, what jumps it all off is relationship building is how can I keep a full calendar? And I do that by genuinely authentically engaging with people by sharing with people, to, by giving with people. And, and that, that comes. So whether it be by personal observation that I meet people, by referrals, whether it be by, um, um, by, by networking, whether it be centers of influence that, that are leaders in the community that send me, that's how I get all this name flow. But the good thing for me, because it's all relationship driven and I don't do anything cold, I'm going into every single meeting with tensions at least at, at, at a minimum, if not non-existent altogether. If your best friend, like Luke, what's your best friend's name? Steve. Steve. If Steve said, Luke, I went to a great restaurant last night. You need to take your wife. What are you going to do? You're going to go. Probably going to do it. Right? If he said, man, I, I saw this funny movie yesterday. You got you to gotta watch it. You got to watch it on Netflix. What are you going to do? Yeah. You'll watch it. Not even. You're not going to go, well, let me ch- check the Yelp reviews. Not sure. what How many rate? You didn't. Just because someone that you know, like, and trust gave you that recommendation, you're going to go into it with eyes open. And that's how I get in front of so many people. It's all relationships and trust. Number one. Number two, I don't sell products. So I can't begin to create solutions or identify issues if I don't know where you're at. I can't tell you how many times people in my industry will come to me like, Sophie, um, can you help me develop a solution for this client? And I go, no problem. And I go, well, what's their income? And they go, I, I don't know. All right, well, what are their expenses? Mm, I didn't get that. Well, what other assets do they have? Like, no, I'm not good. These are basic. How could I, how could I create a solution for someone? And I don't know these things, right? It'd be like walking into a doctor's office, right? Walk into a doctor's office and, and sit down and the doctor just likes, uh, take this prescription and we'll do surgery at three. You're like, whoa, <laughs> gonna, yeah, <laughs> you ask me any questions. Not first. Gonna ask me a question so, first. <laughs> so, so, so that's number two, backfinding three, the opportunity. This is the meat. This is where a lot of people miss the boat. I could go behind most people in my industry, same client, and make three, four times the money, right? Because I'm identifying opportunities that they just don't see. And this isn't because I'm better than everyone else is smarter than everyone. This is just a lot of trial and error and a lot of experience, right? So for me, I'm looking for opportunity. But here's the key. I'm all, not always looking or only rather looking for opportunity for me. 
I'm looking for opportunity to add total value, even if it goes outside of me. I don't do mortgages. I don't do taxes. I don't do, I don't do home remodels. I don't do gardening. I don't do you know, interior designing. I don't do a lot of things that an average person will need in their life. So as I'm going through this fact-finding session and I'm asking them all the things about their lives, as I find these things, not only do I look at it as an opportunity to help my clients, I also look at an opportunity to create commerce for people in my community as well. And, so I'm, and I'm grading goodwill as well. Because so there's, I tell my clients all the time, there's nothing that you're going to need that I'm either not going to do or get done for you. Because either it's going to be within my wheelhouse of products or services that I offer, or it's going to be outside of it, in which case I can make the appropriate referral and let that professional take care of you. I tell people all the time, I know a lot about a little bit. In this little space, I'm that guy, right? But the world is vast. Your needs are vast. I'm not going to sit here for a moment and say, I'm the best at everything. I'm not. I'm really good at this little bit, right? And so when people know, wow, you asked me questions no one else has ever asked me. You've, you've given me insights and referrals and connections that no one else has ever had. That's why I tell people all the time, you can't shop me. You can't shop me. Yes, you can buy insurance from anybody. You can invest your money with anybody. But the guy who you got your insurance from, you do your investments with, who introduced you to your CPA, who brought you your estate planning attorney, who introduced you to your wife, where are you going? Right? Like, where are you going? Right? <laughs> like, you're so entrenched. Right? And then you get these third party validators. Now I've got the estate planning attorney, the banker, the CPA, the, 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 the mortgage, that all these people that are like, wow, Sophie is great and he's a part of our team. And now collectively we're, we're working because in the best interest of the client, makes the client feel good. Like, wow, I've got a whole team of people that are here to support me and help me and, 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 and want to help me improve my life. And that goes a long way. You're thinking of things for me that go beyond your immediate need, that go mm-hmm. beyond what you get out of it. And, and that goes a long way. So identifying opportunities for me for sales, to create other sales and opportunities for counterparts in the industry. And then lastly, the close, the call to action. But again, we've got to, we developed a relationship. I understand where you are, where you want to be. I've uncovered frailties and opportunities to help you. The close, that's, we're doing business at that at that point, right? We're yeah, you've built such you've built such trust too, because you have been. I mean, the the fact finding and the offering of the different opportunities, even outside of yourself, the level of trust that that builds. When you refer someone's business to another professional that you're not even going to get paid off of, you just want to help them and take care of them. The level of trust just skyrockets because they realize, wow, a selfie's not in it just right. for his product. Just for his sales ability. I think that is such a golden nugget for people to take away. And then with the close, are you basically saying if you've done the first three steps well, then you almost in a way don't even have to ask for the business. They'll be giving you the business. Is that what you're saying or what are you saying? Yeah, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion, right? If if the trust is there, I know where you're at, where you want to be. And I've uncovered issues when I say, here's here's the, the pill. Here's the medicine for your sickness. You do it. You know what I call? I call that the assumptive close. I love that, man. I I actually, for our salespeople, we train a bunch of salespeople. It's the assumptive close. If you've done your job, there's no harm in doing the assumptive close because it's not even assumptive in a bad way. It's assumptive in a good way that how could they not take this? And I loved your mindset that I think is another golden nugget. 
I just have to have something better than what they currently have. That level of confidence is unreal. Do you feel like you're constantly chasing after new leads? Does it feel like you're on a hamster wheel, running forward but not getting anywhere? That's not the life you imagined when you got into this business. Listen in as Luke Acre and I prove the extraordinary power of referrals and the money you can make using referral-based marketing. Our free webinar shows you how to stay top of mind, nurture clients, and automate your marketing so you can get off the hamster wheel for good. Go to ReminderMedia.com slash hamster wheel. Yes, that's the real URL. We named it that so you'd remember. Go there to find out the secrets that the top producers are using to live the life of freedom you know you deserve. That's ReminderMedia.com slash hamster wheel. Take action on this today. Yeah, I tell people, because when you think about it, I talk to thousands, tens of thousands of, of my industry of advisors every year, right? And oftentimes I'll be in a room with, you know, let's say full stadium with people. And I'll say, by a show of hands, how many of you in this room, they're my counterparts, fellow advisors, have life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care, after-tax investments, right? Retirement plan, estate plan, all set up. And for the, and then maybe, maybe 5% of the room won't raise their hand. And then I said, of those of you that raised your hand, how many of you have had your plans all reviewed in the last 18 to 24 months? Then maybe three or four hands. And I'm talking about a thousand people in the room, right? And That's I crazy. say that to say, guys, we do this for a living and we don't have it all set up. So you're telling me Joe Blow out there, Mary Sue out there has it all done? Nonsense, right? Oftentimes I find the most successful people have the worst planning because they're so busy. They're so great at what they do. They're, they're inundated. They, they put these things off and they're like, oh, I'll get to it later. It's the pretty girl in high school syndrome. The prettiest girl in high school sat home a ton of Friday and Saturday nights because everyone assumed that she had a date. Oh, right? that's why I never got invited to parties. Right? There it is, right? Everyone's like, you're here cool. thinking it was... <laughs> oh, you had that syndrome, Josh? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different syndrome. <laughs> so, so you know, for me, and this is, comes to you talk about my mindset, being bold. Oh, yeah. Only something good can come from being bold. Either I'm going to get something I never had, or I'm going to continue not to have what I didn't have anyway. So for me, if I just talk yeah. to people, connect with people and ask them these questions, the worst thing they can say, the worst thing they can say is, no, that's the worst right. thing. Were they your client before? No. Nope. So what have you lost? No, maybe a little bruise to your ego, I guess. My ego is pretty robust, so I think I can handle it, right? But that's, that's it, right? So, so it's like, it's like everything, you, you, everyone's so afraid, but if I shoot and I miss, oh no, and I get that. What if you shoot and you make it, right? Mm, love that. So, so, right, does, 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 does a rose bush have thorns or does a thorn bush have roses? Perspective. <laughs> what do you want to focus on? Are you going to focus on the, on the, on the pain? Or are you going to focus on the beauty in spite of the pain? Right. And oh, so man. that's, that's how I choose to live my life. That's what I, you know, I think. And so for me, again, it's, I called the objection free sales process because if someone says, I want this, I want this and I want this. And I go, well, this gives you those three things. Either you have to do what I tell you to do or contradict yourself. And interestingly enough, some people will contradict themselves, but that's where it's a numbers game. Do I expect to sit down with 25 clients in a week and have all 25 people say, yes, this is the perfect time for me? No, I don't. Right. But if I sit down 25 in a week and five of them are like, 
this is the perfect time for me. 10 of them say, yep, I need a month. And five of them go, see you later. Hmm, okay. It, it, it's, you it's, an, and I, and, and I've developed my business in such a way where no one tells me, see you later. It's just a matter of timing. Like it's just typically it's either for me, you're doing business with, with me now, or it's not a good time. Follow up later. That those are typically. It's such no, a powerful uh, perspective too. Such a powerful mindset. I'm curious from a tactical standpoint, how many questions on average do you find yourself asking the client? Like, are there, can you ask too many questions? And cause fatigue and interrogation, or is that more of a tactic problem? I think I think one of the things that people oftentimes do is they don't they don't set the table. And what I mean by setting the table, and let me let me say this to start. And I say this a lot. People are like, yeah, right. I am a huge failure, right? Like I am a huge disappointment. Like I have failed so many times. So when I say these things are like advisors don't do this, or I people tell people, it's not because I'm like, ah, I'm better. I'm like, because I used to do that. Right. And I failed. So I, I've got firsthand experience. And so what happens is we are afraid of rejection. We are afraid of putting ourselves out there. So we tiptoe around. I call this using a dating analogy, being in the friend zone, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in the friend zone. So what happens, and I was guilty of this, we don't set the table, meaning we don't tell people why we're here. I don't want to be in the friend zone. I'm not your friend. I don't want to be your friend. I want to fall in love with you. I want to engage. I want to, right? And if that person says, Wow, you too? I'd love to explore that. Great. Go on your way. If they go, nope, I don't see you more than friends. Oh, thank you. I can move on. But we tiptoe. And what I mean by that is like, hey, you know, hey, Luke, it's been so long since we got together. Let's meet at Starbucks, catch up for coffee. You're like, oh, yeah, sure. So it'd be great to catch up with you. And then we sit down at Starbucks and I go, hello, my name is Sophie Taylor. I work for this tremendous company. Our financial strength is impeccable and we are A-rated. <laughs> you will notice that our, you're like, whoa, even if you would have been open to talking about your finances and planning, you're like, wait, one, why are you talking like that? Two, like, <laughs> what is this, like, what is this about? Well, I am now a representative with XYZ Financial and we are here to like, stop with the script. Like, so if I just tell you, Luke, you're my boy. It's been so long. We played ball together in college. I didn't see you in 10 years. I see from your Instagram, bro, you're married, got a kid. Man, I would love 15 minutes of your time, show you the type of work that I'm doing now, man, and see if I can be of help to you. If you go, yeah, okay, that's cool. Then when we get together at Starbucks, I can go right into it. Hey, Luke, tell me about what you're doing. Tell me about your wife. What kind of planning have you done? And there's no awkwardness. There's no like, whoa, why are you asking me all these questions? Because I, I, I told you. Right. And if you go, oh, man, he's Sophie, that's that sounds cool. Right. But I, I, I got a guy. I can deal with that. Right. I can deal with that objection. Oh, you got a guy. Tell you what, man, Luke, I can appreciate the fact you've done planning and I never want to undo any good work that you've done. I just want to give you the information to make educated decisions. Tell you what, Luke, let me see what you've done. And I'm either going to validate that you've got the best thing going or I'm going to find holes in your plan. Either way, it'll be 15 minutes you know, time well spent. Would you not agree? Mm hmm. Sure. I can deal with that. So when we go into that, I know. So, so now, you know, like, oh, he's going to ask me these questions because he told me he was going to ask me these questions. And there's a purpose of seeing if he can add value. I'm not ambushing you. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's one reason why you get a lot of pushback with that. I will say you have to know your market. You have to know your client. You have to know your time. So if you tell someone I need 20 minutes of your time, then don't take more than 20 minutes. 
If they say, hey, you're my living room, let's kick back. I got an hour for you. Then you can take your hour. I had to learn this the hard way. I started in business. Uh, you know, initially it's referrals and friends and family. And I started, and I remember my mom introduced me to uh, uh, this, this um, chamber of commerce meeting, right? And I went and it was my first time ever networking with people that I did not know, right? And so I'm working in the room, you know, and I meet this guy, he owned car dealerships. He had three car dealerships in the city. And I got his card. And the next day I get back to my office and I call him up and I'm like, hey, would you like to meet? And you know what he said, guys? He said, okay. I was like, oh my God. Like he said, okay. Right? So, so this is my first meeting I've ever had with someone that wasn't like my neighbor, like a friend, whatever. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm ready. And I sit down and he has me in his office and we sit down and I go through my sales script and the language that I was taught in the family market where your average meeting is going to be an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And as a business owner today, I can tell you, you've probably got my attention for five minutes. If you don't, yeah, right. if, if you don't, capture me in that time, I'm gone. I kid you not, guys, in the middle of my presentation, he, he doesn't say excuse me. He picks up the phone, calls his assistant, they start working, and I'm sitting there for like five minutes like, what? And then he goes, this is actually a good time. You got to go. And I'm like, yeah, all right. I'll just, I'll, you know. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> and, and I learned like, okay, you got you to gotta condense this, you got to break it down based and you got to meet people on where they're at. So oftentimes, one of the things that it sounds so intuitive, literally ask people, appreciate you taking the time out to meet today. How much time do you got? Man, I still got 10 minutes. Then boom, I'm there. Right. And then, and if somebody will give you 10 and you've been treated, they'll give you the 10, they'll give you the 30, they'll give you the hour. Right. But, yeah. but just honor people for where they're at. And the thing is, don't guess. Yeah. Ask yeah. them. And that's so many times we use, we use this thing, right? I'm going to try this out on you guys. I'm going to try this out on you guys, right? I'm going to give you a word and I want you just to blurt out what this means to you in terms of length of time at the same time, right? Here's the word. Here it comes. Call me. Here's the word later. What does that mean to you? A uh, couple days. Okay. You both said a couple days, a couple days. Okay. Here's why, here's why assuming can create an issue for us. If my call me later meant I'm putting my kids down to bed, I need 30 minutes and I'm free, and you call me in a couple of days, you're not attentive to my needs. This must not be that important. Mm -hmm. If I call me later meant I'm still reeling from the Thanksgiving week, right? I'm going to take the last two weeks of the year off. That's actually a much better time for me. Call me in two weeks and you call me in two days, you are badgering me. Mm -hmm. So just by taking a step back, no worries. You want me to call you later? Not a problem. What's a better time for me to call you back? Uh, give me a couple, give me 30 minutes. I'll have the kids down. Great. Now I didn't push off a sale for two days. It could happen in 30 minutes. Or if you go, man, I need two weeks, bro. I've just got a lot going on. Give me a call in two weeks. Boom. I'm honoring that. And that my friends, which most people don't recognize, that's number one. I just sold you. Yeah. Because yeah. what I did is I created open lines of communication. And when I call and you clarity. 30 minutes later, yep. When I call you 30 minutes later, when I call you two weeks later, and then I show that I honor my word, I've now differentiated myself from 99% of my peers. You know, the number one way, the number one way to get rid of a salesperson, tell them to call you back because 99% of the time they will not. Anytime I get a call, call, call and a conference call, someone cold calls me, whatever. And I say, Oh, it's not a good time. Can you call me back? They never do. So I don't even so have crazy. to be the bad guy and tell them, no, I'm not interested or listen to this. I can just say, call me back. 
boom, I won. I, yeah, I, right. And then, and then often, I can't tell you how many like stuffed animals, book subscriptions and things I bought. Just, I just respect the hustle. When people call me back the third time, I'm like, what do you got? Here's my credit card. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, just, I respect, I respect the hustle. And so for me, that's what I think. I, I coined the phrase tactful persistence. I really, truly believe in my first two years of business, people bought from me because they were like, I'm either going to buy something for him or I don't think he's ever going away. Like, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to go away. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, but that translates to your passion, meaning like people perceive that as your passion and belief in what you're doing. And that's what so few salespeople understand. If you only call a couple of times, you are just a salesperson. You are just trying to pitch a product. But if you keep going persistently, like you're talking about, no, 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 you believe that you have value and you can help that person in their life. And it again speaks to the thing I said initially, building the relationships, right? Anytime I present something to a client and they don't do it, I don't go back to the drawing board and, and try to find another product. I always say to myself, the relationship wasn't strong enough. Mm. And I need to go back and strengthen the relationship. And that doesn't mean by creating another iteration of the product. It means let's do lunch, let's do dinner, have the kids over to my house. Here's that, here's a book I think you'd really like reading. You know, hey, you mentioned that this nonprofit is really important to you, right? I'd love to support it and, and give you a small donation. It's those things. What a great building nugget, right? It's there. building, it's building the relationship. I own several companies, right? And the, the, the main driving force in me owning so many companies has less to do with, I want to be the CEO of seven companies and more to do with, if I have businesses that are in a different vertical than the lane I'm in most of my day, and I have an opportunity to meet and connect and do business and do commerce and help other people that I otherwise would not have met, I'm all for it. Mm. Right. And yeah, so and that that's that and this is why i'm saying anyone in sales has some bit of a masochist i call it affectionately i call it the sickness right the sickness where like i can't stop like if and i've tried to be more efficient and i hire staff and i'm like oh wow i got this person off my plate and some people go wow i'm running like a well-oiled machine now i don't need to work 100 hour weeks anymore i got staff that takes this off my table if i freed up another 20 hours in a week i wouldn't go oh i got 20 hours of free time i go i could probably start another company like if I have 20, I could probably do that. And so it's, it's, it's that mentality. Right. And again, truly, I say this humbly, just helping, just connecting, just sharing, just giving with other people that, that comes, comes back to me. And that, well, where are you like, recommending, where are you recommending people get their leads from? Is it more from this referral network? Is it networking itself? You mentioned a couple examples there. Where else are you coaching people to get these leads so that you can get in front of the right prospects and start this process? I would say one thing, you have to do things that are authentic to you. You have to do things that are genuine to you. I love kids, right? I've got my daughters. I have my nonprofit future stars. I do the basketball camp, right? I'm involved with March of Dimes on the board, or Children's Hospital on the board, Ronald McDonald's. Those are things that are authentic to me. And by me doing things that are authentic to me and serving on these boards and being a part of these fundraising activities and the like, I meet people in the community. If you go, I hate kids, but he Sophie said I should join this nonprofit for kids. It's going to come out, right? It's going to come out there. (laughs) 
what what speaks to you? Maybe you served in the armed forces and maybe so you're like, I want to do work with veterans, maybe working with it with homeless. Like, ah, oh, it kills me to drive downtown LA and see if that means I want to do something with homeless. Maybe I'm really big into my church. I want to give and, and serve in my in my in my community. Uh, whatever it is, I love golf, whatever it is, find out what's authentic to you. And when you are building relationships with people, you're working. See, if one thing, generally speaking, I'm in a suit and tie every day. And if anything, this pandemic has taught me, it really doesn't matter what I look like, what I'm wearing. As long as I'm building relationships with people, I'm working, I'm working. Right. Yeah, and man. so, so that's the thing, right. And, and in this day and age, I'm each, actually even more efficient because I'm not spending hour and a half meetings. I'm doing 20 minute zoom calls. Right. Yeah. And so I'm able to, 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 to run around. I'm not even wearing pants right now. Like, <laughs> but, but, Me neither. But, 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 you know, you're, you're able to, as long as you're just connecting with people, then you're, you know, you're, you're, you're working. So I would say do things that are authentic to you and then understand this thing. You're going to make as much money as your clients make, right? The same length of time, the same paperwork it ta- takes me to fill out an application for a hundred dollar a month premium <laughs> is the same paperwork and same application. It takes me for 10,000 a month. Same. Yeah. So and good, oftentimes man. what people think is, oh, it's easier. I just want to work in the more modest markets, right? They're more approachable. There's more of those people. True. There's more of them. But think about this. If you make three grand a month and your bills are 2,700 bucks a month, you got 300 bucks a month of discretionary income. And I say, hey, guys, I want you to put this plan away with me for 100 bucks a month. I want to take a third of your discretionary income. I better be good. And the first time the utility bill is high, the first time those tires need to get changed, the first time your kids need braces, what's the thing that's got to go? That brand new plan they just bought from you. You make 50 grand a month. You've got 20 grand a month of expenses. You've got 30 grand a month of discretionary income. I want to sell you a plan that costs $5,000 a month. I'll sell you on that deal over lunch. Mm. I tell people this. Think of, and this is in any sales capacity. Think of the five most nerve-wracking, the five most difficult deals you've worked on in the last 12 months. Then I want you to think of the five easiest, the five most enjoyable deals that you've worked on in the last 12 months. I can guarantee you the five hardest ones will be amongst your five smallest. And I can guarantee you that the five largest ones were amongst the easiest and most enjoyable. Because when you think about this, if I create a solid relationship with you, I understand where you are and more importantly, where you want to be. I've uncovered frailties and an opportunity to improve those. And then I give you the solution and you have the money to do it. You'll do it. Mm. If, if I'm a contractor and I go to your house and I go, hey, I was doing some analysis. You wanted me to look at your leaky faucet, but your entire pipe system is old and corroded. It needs to be updated, right? It's 20 grand to fix it, but you won't have any problems over the last you 40 years. If you got the money, you're going to say, all right, let's do it, right? Maybe that's not how I want to spend the 20 grand, but if it's for the long term and it's the best, I'll do it, right? 20 grand. If you're broke, and I say the same thing, like, look, I'm here. I see this leaky faucet, right? And, and there's, you know, the, the they need to be replaced 20 grand. You're like, can Gorilla Glue, can that kind of hold, can that buy you a little, like, more? You, you see what I'm saying? And, and, and it's like, we're always looking for something else. So it's crazy. It, when I say this to people, like, ah, it's easier to make a million dollars a year 
than it is to make 50 grand a year. Mm. Way easier. Then I got to imagine it's easier to make 5 million a year than a million. Then by that token, I got to imagine it's easier to make 100 million than 5 million. And while I'm at it, I'm just going to become a billionaire. You look at, I'm enamored by uh, Jeff Bezos. So regardless yeah. of what you think about Amazon or him, whatever, I'm just talking pure economics, right? Mm -hmm. The man's net worth increased $50 billion over the midst of this pandemic, over 33% in the midst of a pandemic, right? Is Jeff Bezos smarter today than he was seven months ago? No, same person, right? Same person. Same as any of us, right? Pant mm -hmm. leg, one leg at a time. He's just working in a business that has scale and most importantly, utility. Mm -hmm. I just watched a clip on him this last weekend and what got him to create Amazon is he's working for, he was a number cruncher, he was an analyst. Yeah. He was like, man, in, in the late 90s, he was like, man, the internet usage is growing like 2,300% a year. So he's yeah. like, so what can I put? on the internet to sell, right? That, that people might use. And he started with books. Like yeah. books have the most asset classes, right? There's a wide category of books. Let me sell books. And wow, right? <laughs> 20 years later, I got a hundred. I'm the richest person in the world, right? I could, I could end world hunger, right? I could just solve the deficit myself. Is he the richest like, person in history now? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, I could just, I could just the deficit, no more, it's gone, right? And so that's amazing. Right. When you think of it. So again, regardless of your him as a person or the, forget that. I'm just the principle of, wow. Don't think small. Yep. Think big, think big. If your dreams and your aspirations and your goals for your business don't scare people, you're not thinking big enough. Yep. If everyone's like, oh, what you're doing sounds completely reasonable and makes complete sense. Scrap that business plan. I want you to go with the one that people are like, ah, I don't know, because that's when you make change, when you, are, you have to be a disruptor. Right. And, and oh, let me back up. If you want to stay status quo, that's fine too. There's actually nothing wrong with that. But if you're like, no, I don't understand. Like if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. So if you want your life to be different, like if you want to, if you want to, 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 to rock this world, to change the world, you got to do something different. you got to break the mold, right? There's the three eyes. You have the innovator. They make the most money. You have the imitator. The copycat that follows suit and they do well too. And you got the last eye, the idiot. They get on too late. They follow too late, right? It's done. The way it's already I love passed, that. Right? And, and so, so you, the, I encourage people, be the, be, the, be the innovator. Be number one, right? That my father used to tell me that every day when I was a kid. Be the best or among the best. Mm. Be the best or among the best. And so that's, that's my challenge. That's my charge to anyone in any capacity whatsoever. Like these are principles that, that translate and, and, and go on. For, for Dude, sure. that's so, so powerful man i love that man the three eyes i have to have to make an instagram post out of yeah, that or something man yeah. that's that's freaking great so i gotta ask you man because you're super successful multiple businesses right just full of knowledge we love asking people who come on as a guest on the show you know looking at your life now do you have routines that you have implemented in your life that have driven success for you yeah man i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a machine man like I'm, I'm as disciplined a person as you're going to find, right? Like every day I start my day, boom, I'm moving my body, right? It's, it's, I'm working out, whether it be hit a little challenging, obviously in this, in this COVID era, but you know, generally it's yoga or hit workout or something like I got to move. If I, if I don't start my day moving my body, I just feel like on edge or agitated all day, really like, so I got to move my body. So boom, juices are flowing, you know, I'm up, 
right? And I'm at it. And 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 so I'm going there. So and then and then I'm in my midst of my day, right? So it's it's every waking moment of the day I want to engage in what I call an income generating activity. Right? So think about it. Anyone in any sales capacity, when you close a deal, what do you make? How long, how many hours does it take you with that client to close that deal? Then you could literally, because people in sales are like, I don't get it. I don't get an hourly wage. Yes, you do. You actually do. If I make $5,000 every time I close a deal and it takes me two hours of engagement with that client on average to close that deal, I make $2,500 an hour. So anything that comes in my life that calls for my time and attention that I don't make more than $2,500 doing, I won't do. Hmm. Right? So, so, So I'm giving it to other people. I was talking to my father this weekend, right? And he's retired now. I'm like, what are you doing this weekend? He's like, oh, I'm gonna do some yard work. He's like, you gonna do yard work? And I was like, no, right? And he's like, oh, but and he's, I was, I was like, I was like, I have a gardener for that purpose, right? I respect my gardener. I respect the hard work they do. But if I pay my gardener two hundred fifty dollars a month to work on my lawn for six hours, I like my chances of spending six hours of my time in my zone of genius doing the work I do and making more than two hundred. I, I, I just, I like that. I like my chances. I love that. Right. And, and so, so that's, 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 you know, how I, that's how I spend my time. That's what I do. So in that respect, I'm not one of these guys, like I wake up at 4am and then I do this, like, eh, it's, I work, I work in the, out in the morning sometime, right. Give or take in the day, how the day goes. <laughs> Come on, I've a selfie. People, no, I'm just kidding. Like I, I eat lunch at some point, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not 12, but like at some point I'm going to eat lunch at some point. And then generally I'm going to end the day with a workout. I work out a second time, right? It's going to be something else, right? Because again, I'm ending the day. I would just want to move because my whole thing is, to your point, I'm up here right now in my life, right? And I've been so blessed and I've worked hard to get there. Dude, I'm not going back. It's easier to stay on top than it is to get on top, right? And I know what I've sacrificed. I know what I got to get here and I'm not going back. I have so much respect for people that are starting a business from scratch. I have so much respect for people that are maybe not in the best shape they could be in and they're in the gym. They're like, I know I have a lot of weight to lose, but I'm going to start. And I have so much respect because the journey that they have to go on to get is going to be a tough one. So to those that are there, don't go back, right? How hard, how, how much discipline truly do I need to put out to say, I'm going to do a 10 minute hit workout today to keep this going, right? That's not truthfully that hard. It's not that challenging, right? People, oh man, he's so you're How old are you? You look like that. Why? You want to know why? Because I never stopped moving my body. I never stopped. I never ate crap. I never, I just stayed here. Yeah. It's the consistency over time that's so challenging. Yep. It's and doing it's it like, consistently over time. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to do a spring cleaning in my house because I throw everything away and keep it clean every day. I don't have to spend an hour doing dishes because I wash them when I do them. Does that make sense? Like it's how, like how you do, how you do that's, something. That's a golden nugget, man. <laughs> right. How, how, how you do some things is how you do everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to continue on and keep that high level of performance in everything that I do, everything that I touch. Right. And that's not to say, look, I fall, fall, fall. Look, I, I, I can't tell you, man, like, but to the extent I control it, to the set, I control it. I'm not feeling. Now, can I do something and have a client go, "Nope, I'm not doing that." Yep. Can I open a new business and go, "I think this is the greatest idea." I'm an innovator and have people go, "I don't get it." Fail. Like, yes, 
That, ha- that has and will continue to happen to me. And you want to know why it will continue to happen to me? Because I will keep swinging. Yep. Yeah, you won't quit. Never, yeah. never quit. Yeah. And the ones who win are the ones who never, never quit. Yeah, it's yep. amazing, man. It's unbelievable. Yep. So, Selfie, you said you're, you're, you've made it, right? You're at, you're at the top now. What would you go back and tell younger Selfie, if anything? <laughs> would you go back and tell that guy who's about to start this journey? Don't do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would tell him, stay the course. No shortcuts. No shortcuts. Right? It's true. All of the get rich quick and all the outlandish things that I did that fizzled and I crashed and burned. That's actually not why I'm successful. It's not why. It's the little things that I did consistently day in and day out that got me here. Mm. Right? And so I would just tell the younger Sophie, stay the course. And the cool thing for me now I'm nowhere close on a scale one to 10, one being an absolute bum and 10 being a superstar. Where would I rank myself right now? A five. Like I'm cool, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Right. Like <laughs> I just said, like I'm just setting the table. We haven't even eaten yet. Like we, let's go. Right. That was like, the appetizer, uh, yeah, baby. Like, that, like, was, that was the appetizer. Like, and real talk. I wish that I would have been at this point, maybe 10 years earlier, but mm. you know what? I'm at this point in the perfect yeah. time because if, yeah. if maybe some of these opportunities or some of the money or some of the relationships that I had did come to me 10 years ago, would I have been the best steward of it? Or would I have been, would I have managed it as well as I will right now? No, because there's not a point in my life where I've been more humble than I am right now. There's not a been a point in my life where I've been more clear than I am right now. Right. And so I was clouded for many years of my life about for success and title and, and, and achievement and less about engagement, less about quality, less about love. And, 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 and what I realized when I got it, cause I did, I got there, right? I got there. I'm 30 years old and I got it all. I got it all. I got the millionaire house. I got the Mercedes. I got the wife. I got the kids. And then, and then I woke up one day and I'm like, Oh, Oh, I made it all about achieving stuff and mm-hmm. not about, uh, not about engagement, not about people, not about relationships. And I literally had to go back to the drawing board, <laughs> mm, right? And, and I feel blessed. I feel blessed to have had that happen to me young enough, early enough, where I could write the ship. And unfortunately, I think so many people never attain enough stuff and they end up being miserable their entire life, always mistakenly thinking it's because they didn't get the stuff, mm-hmm. right? And, and, then, and, then, and then, because, and anyone, how many really wealthy people that have got the most beautiful home and the cars and everything and on the surface it looks, but they're just nasty people. Yeah. Right. Just like, Oh, that's not, not a nice person. Right. And so for me, it's like, wow, what a blessing to actually have money and title and all that and true engagement. And so that's success to me, not about the money, whether I do make a billion dollars or I stay where I'm at in my life now. or I When you backwards. do. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, I, I want to be this guy. And this is one of the things, even with me working on this reality show right now and, and, and talking with the celebrity clients and people that I have and me talking to my, 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 my partner, my, my co-producer on the show. I'm like, I'm like, I'm never going to change. I'm, I'm never going to, there's no title. There's no money. There's no award I'm going to win where I'm going to become a, you know, an a-hole where I'm going to just mm. like, well, now everyone owes me or I'm not. Ah, it's, it's your that, position. Man. It's your position. It's your position when you're given title, when you're given money to then be a blessing to other people. 
not to like, and that's the difference. I did a, I did a, a, a radio show last week and, and the gentleman says something that resonated with me. He goes, knights are in it for the glory, right? Knights are in it for title. Kings are in it for the people to serve the people, right? Mm. That's why your position exists. And so a lot of us are charging forward and we're knights and we're slaying everything for me. Yeah. Look at the title. But then when you get to that point, like, you know what? My position exists not for riches for me, not for spoils for me. My position exists to serve and help people, right? And that's my pursuit to be a billionaire. Less, okay, what am I going to do with a billion dollars? Can't spend it. Can't take it with me, right? It comes down to, whew, look at the world. Look at the impact I can have. Look at the lives I can change. Look at the amount of jobs I can create, right? The, the education, the, the, the love I can spread. That's, that's my motivation. That's so awesome, good. Man. Well, it's been a blessing having you on this uh, episode, man. What a powerful interview, powerful mindset, powerful process from a business strategic tactical standpoint. Thank you so much for being here. Before we close out, let people know how they can connect with you, how they can learn more about the Taylor method. Yeah. Uh, I'm all over the internet. Uh, a Sophie Taylor. I have several companies. Uh, my planning practice is, uh, Taylor insurance, and financial services, my, uh, sales coaching system, the Taylor method, but just Google me, uh, Sophie Taylor. You'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, we're, we're here, man. Always here to be a blessing and help to other people and inspiration. And really like, why did I create the Taylor method? Why do I do everything I do? I'm trying to be to this industry. I'm trying to be to this world. What I wish I would had, mm. what I wish awesome. that someone would have told me. And so, um, I had to fail a lot to get here. And again, anyone who's on, on a journey for success in their business, they're going to have to do the work, but if I can give them some tips and tools and maybe illuminate the path a little bit brighter for them, and I'm sure, I'm sure that will, that, that will help and be appreciated. Well, you definitely so, are, man. We appreciate you coming on here. We're going to have all of those links and uh, that a selfie mentioned there in the show notes of this episode. So you can head on over to staypaidpodcast.com for that. And thank you all so much for listening. There's two ways to support the show. If you're looking for ways to give back here, first way is to head on over to iTunes, rate us five stars and leave a comment. And the best way is the referral. Tell a friend. We talked about it here. Tell someone else about this podcast. You know someone in your life right now needs to hear this. Share this episode with them and share it on your social media. If you want to get a hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at ReminderMedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acri, and man, what a powerful episode. So many action items. Like You could go back and listen to this, even the whole Taylor Method process. Like that's an action item that you should implement in your business. But I'm going to give you really the two things that I think you can implement right away. One is I think you can implement setting the intention of your call, the intention of what you're about to do with your client, with your prospect right away. I think what he talked about of so many people will call up and ask somebody for a cup of coffee or to dinner, but they don't set their true intention. And then it becomes very awkward and it ruins what he talked about building the trust. You're trying to build a relationship here and you've started it off on a falsehood. So I think setting the intention or the intention of your, you know, your call or your reason for going out to lunch is critical. And then the fact finding. I think so many salespeople skip the discovery phase of the sales process, the fact-finding phase, but that's the most powerful phase. So do the fact-finding, ask the questions, learn about the actual state of your client and what they're looking to achieve, what you can help them achieve. And remember, 
that you only have to provide something that's better than where they're currently at. So go in with that confidence. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry we've worked in is top producers take action. Take action on that today.